as we pray before I, I preach, I, I wanted to, to, to thank God for that. Let's, let's pray. Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, you said, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And Lord, we thank you for the countless ultimate sacrifice of so many men, so many men and women who've laid down their lives that we could worship you freely today. Thank you for their sacrifice. Lord, for those families who've lost loved ones in service to our country, may they know how much we really appreciate the sacrifice that so many have made. And Jesus, we thank you that you lay down your life and you now call us friends. We're here today on this first day of the week to thank you. And Lord, we thank you that you've enabled us to, to plant with amazing, to partner with amazing partners around the world to help plant churches. And we thank you for Brazil and we thank you for Ricardo and for Leo and how we've helped to partner with them to plant 29 churches throughout Brazil. Lord, encourage Ricardo and encourage Leo and continue to to raise up church planters through them so that the gospel would spread throughout Brazil. For these churches, Holy Spirit fall fresh on the pastors and the churches. May the gospel be multiplying rapidly in Brazil. As we open your word today, may your spirit fall fresh on us and, and may you win the loss through the preaching of your word and build up believers and equip workers and multiply disciple makers that we might fill our county up with the knowledge of Christ. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I have one of my toys in front of me. Um, I, um, I spent my whole childhood tormenting tourists. Uh, I grew up in St. Augustine, and, and I did. I, I tormented tourists, and I know a lot of you say you were terrible. Well, I was, and I still am. But it's hard to be a tourist when you've spent your whole life tormenting tourists. And so when Karen and I got married, she dragged me into places. And one day she dragged me into Ripley's. And when I went into Ripley's, they have something just like this. And I was so puzzled. There's a faucet that just seemed to be suspended in the air. And I just stood there and I looked at it and I looked at it and I looked at it because it was so puzzling. How can something without anything above it just keep overflowing with water? Ah, some of you know, right? Inside, there's a glass tube that goes up, and the water is going up through the glass and then out on the outside that hides the glass on the inside. And when I saw that, I said, that's what we're to look like. That's what a Christian is to look like. And you say, what? Remember in John 7, in John 7, verse 37, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Are you thirsty? Are you? You're in a good place. Because Jesus said, Come to me and drink. And then notice what he said. Um, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, notice, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Deep inside of us, rivers of living water welling up and overflowing. But this he spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in Him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. After this, Jesus would die on the cross, then He would rise, then He would ascend into heaven. And then on Pentecost, a few days after He, he ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out on us. And, and that's what we're going to be focusing in on today. 
that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so we can walk like Jesus walked, that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so we can walk like Jesus walked. Will you say this with me? Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so we can walk like Jesus walked. If you're new this year, we're walking through 1 Peter. And here's why we're doing this. I want to equip you, we want to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. Have you noticed that our culture is getting a little more hostile toward Christians? So what we're seeking to do as we walk through 1 Peter is to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. That's why we're walking through 1 Peter. So what have we learned so far? We've learned that if we're going to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture, it's important to know our identity, our identity, that we're chosen, we're Christians, we're disciples. And then last week, if we're going to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture, we need to understand our living hope, our living hope. And we learned last week that Jesus is our living hope. And when we put our hope in Him, we can live each day of our life with the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. And listen, if we're going to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture, it's very important we understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so we can walk like Jesus walked. Okay, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and uh, we'll get started. As to this salvation, see the word salvation? It's the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is about salvation. Listen, the Bible is one story and you're not the main character. Did you know that? The main character is is Jesus. And from beginning to end, the story of the Bible is how Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. So, from cover to cover, as to the salvation, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ was in them, indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. So, how did we get the Bible? The Holy Spirit inspired men, inspired men to write down the Word of God. So there were prophets in the Old Testament who wrote about Jesus who was to come. And listen... They didn't understand as much as we know because Jesus hadn't come yet. Let's put it this way. They knew more about Jesus than we think they did. But they know less about Jesus than we do because Jesus has already come. And so the prophet said that Jesus would be born of a virgin, that Jesus would die on the cross, that Jesus would rise again. And then what they spoke came to pass. Jesus came virgin born, lived, died, and rose just like they said, right? It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. So the apostles and the prophets who give us the New Testament, they saw Jesus alive. They saw Jesus alive, and they had gone and preached the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, and people had been saved, and that's who this letter is to. And isn't that how Jesus saves us too? Doesn't he send someone to share the gospel to us, right? And doesn't he send the Holy Spirit to draw us to saving faith? 
And what is the gospel? What is the gospel that is shared that the Holy Spirit uses to save people? Well, let's look at Isaiah 53, 6. This is one of those Old Testament prophecies written 700 years before Jesus. It has the bad news of the gospel. It has the good news of the gospel. Will you read this with me? All of us... Come on, let's try that with me, right? Okay, not behind me, together. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Now, the gospel has bad news and good news, and they're both in this verse. Can't you spot them? Where do you see the bad news of the gospel? See the beginning? The bad news of the gospel is a problem we have called sin. Listen very carefully. The Bible says that we are not good people who need an encourager. The Bible says we are not good people who need a teacher. The gospel says we are sinners who desperately need a Savior. Did, did you see that? Where it says all of us have sinned, each of us. Do you know what a sin is? It's a crime against God. Um, and you say like what? Like growing up, did you ever disobey your parents? Maybe once, did you? That's a sin. That's a crime against God. Listen, have you ever, have, have you ever called someone like, you idiot or you jerk? Have you ever, I mean, better question, any of you drive? Any of you drive? <laughs> if you've ever called someone a name, the Bible says that's a sin. It's a crime against God, right? Um, have you ever had sex outside of marriage? Ever looked at pornography? Ever had a lustful thought? That's a sin against God, a crime against God. In your whole life, have you ever stolen anything, ever? Have you? That's a crime against God. In your whole life, have you ever told a lie or exaggerated, ever? Then you've committed a crime against God. We all have. And listen, we're in big trouble. God is just, and he says what we deserve for our, our sin is hell itself, okay? Once we understand the bad news, right? The bad news is that we have a problem called sin. We're in huge trouble. Then we're ready for the good news. Do you see the good news in the verse? The bad news comes first because you have to get lost before you get found, right? You have to be lost before you're saved. Here's the good news. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. See him? Do you know who him is? It's Jesus. It, it's God, the Son, who put on flesh, not to encourage us, not primarily to teach us, but to save us. So God, the Son, put on flesh, came to earth, lived a perfect life for us. Now notice what happened on the cross. God the Father took his son, whom he loved more than we can imagine, and he placed our sin on the son. And Jesus died in our place. That way God could be just, sin must be punished, but God could be loved. Jesus died in our place. So Jesus died in our place, right, on the cross. And then he, he really did die, but on the third day he rose from the grave. He rose from the grave and he offers us salvation. Salvation, do you know what that is? It's the forgiveness of our sins. It, it, it's the opportunity to do life with Jesus and to make that life possible, he gives us the Holy Spirit now so we can walk like Jesus walked. And it's the opportunity to do eternity with Jesus. And what does he require of us? A lot of us in the study, we're reading through Acts. Hasn't been good this week. Remember chapter 16? Remember chapter 16? The jailer asked the question of all questions. He asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
I've been at this a long, long time. Almost no one ever asked me that question. Isn't that interesting? People ask me for money all the time. But no one says, how can I get to heaven? How can I be forgiven? How can I know Jesus? Now notice, notice what it says. Um, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Notice he didn't say, just go out there and try harder, be better, clean up your act. He says, no, don't put faith in yourself. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So what does it mean to believe? Well, saving faith really is the simplest ABC. We admit and we believe and commit. And if you've never done that, won't you? First, we admit. Jesus, I agree with you. I admit to you that I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Won't you do that? And then we believe. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Do you see both of those here? See where he says, believe in the Lord Jesus. See the name Jesus. You know what Jesus means? Anybody know what it means? Savior. He's the one who saves us from our sins. So you trust Jesus as Savior, saying, I want you to forgive me and give me eternal life. You trust Jesus as Savior. You believe in Jesus. But notice it says the, what? The Lord Jesus. So we need to trust Jesus as Lord. That means we surrender. To be a Christian, we say, my rebellion against you ends today. Today I surrender. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to move in. And from this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you. And listen, if you've never done that, won't you? You can do right, that right now, right? To admit, believe, commit. Oh, or if you need help, I'll give you a chance in a few minutes when we pray. But believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You know, you know why people don't often ask me about that? I love what someone said, you have to get people lost before you get them saved, right? And it's so true, we have to recognize our need of Jesus before we appreciate that we have a Savior. Okay, so, so back to 1 Peter, verse 13, therefore. Now remember what I taught you about therefore, whenever you see therefore, what question do you ask? What is this therefore, therefore? For. And so here's the therefore. Now that you're saved, now that you're a follower of Christ, now that you've been given the Holy Spirit, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Listen, to follow Jesus in a hostile culture, you need to prepare for it. You need to prepare for it. It's not easy. Prepare your minds. Are you preparing? Are you? How, well, how do we prepare? We, we get into the Word of God. Oh, in John chapter 8, in John chapter 8, look at this. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, if you love my word, if you treasure my word, if you read my word, if you obey my word, you are truly disciples of mine. So one of the marks of a disciple is what? They love God's word, right? And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. I am so thankful to be a Christian. I'm thankful because I'm forgiven. I'm thankful because I know where I'll spend eternity. But in the days in which we live, one of the reasons I'm so thankful to be a Christian is he's given us the Bible, which is the Word of God. We live in a morally confused culture. We live in a deluded culture. 
And all I have to do to understand what marriage is is to open the Bible and read it. If I want to know how many sexes there are, all I have to do is open the Word of God and I find truth. If I want to know what's wrong with the world, if I want to know how to fix the world, I open up His Word because in His Word we find truth. Man, do you get up each day? Do you come on Sundays and say, this is so good. In a confused culture, we have truth. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but in a morally confused culture, I'm so glad we have truth. Aren't you? Prepare your minds. Get in His Word. Love His Word. Treasure His Word. Keep sober in spirit. If we're going to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture, don't cloud your mind with alcohol. Don't cloud your mind with drugs. Don't cloud your mind with pornography or other things. Listen, keep your mind thinking clearly. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope. Notice that's a noun we learned last week, right? Fix your hope completely on the grace. Don't fix your hope on your good looks or your health or the civil government. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Fix your hope on Jesus, on the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. Uh, as obedient children. I, I love that. And I want to teach you about gospel obedience. See, there's gospel obedience. That's what it's talking about. And then there's religious obedience. Religious obedience, religious people obey God so God will love them. If I obey God, may, 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 maybe God will love me. But know what gospel obedience is. Do you know what gospel intoxicated obedience is? Is we obey God because he loves us. He loves us. It's not a have to. It's a we get to. Um, are you a Christian? Are you? You know what that means? Jesus said, I love you. Does that blow your mind? You know what Jesus says? I want you to come and walk with me. Come and walk with me. Let's do life together. He wants me. You know what Jesus says to me? Come and follow me and be a part of turning the world right side up. Are you kidding me? We get to do this as obedient children. Now, to follow Jesus, he tells us two things, okay? First of all, notice, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. As we're following Jesus in a hostile culture, he says, listen, don't be conformed to the lust of your culture. Don't be like the people around you. Um, anybody feel any pressure in our culture to conform? Do you ever feel that? Uh, isn't that political correctness? We're told what we can say and what we can think and what we can do. Maybe I'm not, anybody else feel that culture, that, that, that pressure? So, so in Romans 12, notice what it says. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't think like our world. Don't act like our world. We're meant to be different. We're meant to be different. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Well, how does it happen? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Listen, our culture has lost its mind and is going in one direction. When we're going in a different direction, notice what people see. It's good. It's acceptable and perfect. 
In dark times, even little lights shine bright, don't they? Oh, there was a couple who came here years ago. And they said, Smiley, when we're confused about what to do, we lick our finger and we stick it up in the air. And, and, and we look at what way is our culture, the wind of our culture blowing? It's blowing this direction? Then we will go what in that direction. And you know, that's a pretty good guidance system, isn't it? Oh. So listen, because Jesus loves us and we love him and we want to follow him, we want to follow him, then we're not to be conformed to this world. But notice what it says next. But like the Holy One who called you, Jesus is the Holy One. He's our big brother. He's our big brother. And Jesus says, follow me. Don't you want to be like him? But like the Holy One who calls you, be holy in all your behavior. Every thought, every word, every deed, following him, right? But like the Holy One who calls you, be holy in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Huh. Uh, what does holy mean? What does it mean? You know, I've taught you, but what does it mean? It means, you said it, what? Set apart. Set apart. The highest meaning of holy is set apart. God is set apart from us, set apart. And then underneath that, underneath that is, that is that God is pure, right? That God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all, right? That it's set apart and it's pure, right? That, that's good, isn't it? And so at Good News, we believe that Jesus is our model. He's our model for life and ministry, and Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk like Jesus walked, following Him. It's our model for life, Following him is our model for ministry. And, and I know some of you say, but, but I can't walk like Jesus can. Well, of course you can't. Why do you think Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit? He gave you the Holy Spirit so that you would have supernatural power to walk like Jesus walked. Listen, the people around us who don't know Jesus, why don't they follow Jesus? Why don't they walk like Jesus walked? Why don't they? Two reasons. First is what? They don't want to. And secondly, they're not able to. Do you know why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit? To change our want to, so that we would want to walk like Jesus walked. Do you know why he gave us the Holy Spirit? So we would have the ability to walk like Jesus walked. How often do you pray, Holy Spirit, give me the desire, give me the power to walk like Jesus walked. Let me show you in... And 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, look at this verse. The one who says he abides in him. Is that you? Do you, do you are, are you a Christian? You say, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple. Is that you? Notice what he says. The one who says he abides in him ought, what? To walk in the same manner as he walked. Listen, Jesus lived here on earth for 33 years. And, and he walked. And he left, he left footsteps in the ground that we could walk. Walk as he walked, right? Listen, he's our model for life. Think of that. That part of the meaning of holiness is purity, right? Isn't it? So Jesus walked a pure life, right? One unstained by sin. He lived a beautiful life, right? And, and listen, Jesus is our model for ministry. We said that holy means, first of all, what? Set apart. He was set apart. Aren't we set apart for a special purpose, aren't we? Listen, 
You're a husband, and you want to love your wife. Who do you follow? You look at Jesus, don't you? Because doesn't the Bible say husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church? Isn't he our model? You're a wife. The Bible calls you to submit. Well, what does submission look like? When you look at Jesus, didn't he live in submission to his father? Didn't he? You're a young person. And, and, and the Bible calls you to honor your father and mother. Isn't Jesus your model? What would that look like? Look at how Jesus honored his father and mother. Listen, are, are, are you a parent? Oh, there aren't parents. Did you know that? There aren't parents. What do you have? You have fathers and mothers. And you know what fathers do? Father's father. And know what mothers do? Mother's mother. But nobody parents. Because there aren't parents, there's mothers and fathers. And so if you're a father and you want to know how to raise your children, wouldn't you look at Jesus and see how he discipled his disciples, right? He's our model. He's our model for life. He's our model for ministry. You have friends you'd like to win to Christ. Why wouldn't you follow the model of Jesus for winning people? You want to disciple people. Wouldn't you follow his model? Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to walk like Jesus walked. One more passage. 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, listen to this. For you have been called for this purpose. Um, how many people, people don't ask me how to be saved, but people do ask me, what's God's purpose for my life? Have you ever wondered? You're about to find out, okay? This is worth the per price of admission right here, okay? Listen to this. For you have been called for this purpose. What's his purpose? What's his purpose? For my life. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. What does Jesus want for you to do? He wants you to follow in his steps, in life and in ministry. That's why he's given you the Holy Spirit, to give you the desire and power to follow in his steps. Well, what would that look like? Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth? Well, he wants us to live pure lives, right? He wants us to follow him. <laughs> he continues. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. Is that what we do when people are, are, are mean to us? Do, do we look to Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to respond like you do? While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. He trusted the Father. Do we trust Jesus in difficult times? And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Listen, he saved us so we would live new lives following him. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Isn't that true? Man, it was so true of me. I was making such a mess in my life. And you know what? Jesus saved me. He drew me to himself. He gave me the Holy Spirit so that I would have the desire and power to follow after him. Right? And what does Jesus want us to do? Doesn't he send us out to others to plead for, with them to come to Christ? Doesn't he? Listen carefully to this. We greatly underestimate what Jesus wants to do in us and through us. As Christians, we greatly underestimate what Jesus wants to do in us and through us. Let me show you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I wish this was southern because it would say, Listen, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon y'all. 
y'all. You know the difference between the Old Testament and the New? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only fell on a few. It fell on the prophet. He fell on the priest. He fell on the king. In the New Testament, know what's different? He falls on what? All of us. Thank you. That was so good. Y'all. All of you. You see, he fell, falls on all of us. We greatly underestimate what Jesus wants to do in and through us because the Holy Spirit is poured out on all Christians, on y'all. I like that. Now notice what happens. And you shall be my witnesses. Who? All of us. All of us, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. That's Acts 1. What happens in Acts 2? What happens in Acts 2? The Holy Spirit what? The Holy Spirit falls on the church. And what happens? Christians got up and began to bear witness to Christ. Um, David. David came up to me two Sundays ago and he said, Smiley, I'm, I have a brother named Dale. Pray for me. I'm going to travel to Pittsburgh. I want to see my brother saved. So we prayed together. He flew to Pittsburgh. Uh, he asked others. We're all praying for him. He gets his brother. They're driving in the car. They're looking for their grandfather's. They're looking for their grandfather's farmhouse. But, but they ended up at the cemetery where their mother was buried. Talk about a, a great launcher. Talk about the Holy Spirit moving. So David asked his brother Dale, Dale, do you think mom would like to have both her sons with her forever in heaven? How do you say what? No to that, right? Wouldn't mom like her two sons with her in heaven forever? And Dale said what? Yes. How do we get there? And then David shared the gospel, the bad news and the good news, and, and invited him to respond, and he did. And da uh, David said just tears were streaming down his face that Jesus used him to change the eternity of his brother. Hallelujah. We're wasting our lives. I was wasting my life. And Jesus calls us to join him in changing the world. Listen, you can do it. You are so much better prepared than you think you are. You've been given the Holy Spirit. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard the gospel a thousand times. I know you leave here saying, I've heard that so many times, I could do that myself. And you know what? You can. You can. You can. And to make it super easy for you, everything you hear every week is written in a little booklet. It's just here. All you have to do is pray like David did and go to that person like he went to his brother that you love and read it to them. Read them the bad news. Read them the good news. Invite them to respond. Expect them to say yes. Oh, dear people, Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk like Jesus walked. So we're going to turn a corner here now. We're going to turn a corner and um, what I want you to do for an action step is I want you to walk by the Spirit. To walk by the Spirit. If we're going to walk like Jesus walked and He gave us the Holy Spirit, we need to learn to walk by the Spirit. That comes right out of the Bible in Galatians 5. Notice, but I say walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So well, how, do we, how do we walk by the Spirit? Well, Let's go back to where we started today, okay? Let's go back to where we started, to John chapter 7. Now, notice what Jesus said. If anyone is thirsty, 
To walk by the Spirit, we need to be thirsty. It's finally, there's sins in my life I can't overcome. Good, you're thirsty. There's people in my life that I am supposed to love that I can't love. You're thirsty, that's good. There's people in my life I'd like to win to Christ, but, 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 but I'm scared. Listen, you're thirsty. It's good to be thirsty. The first thing we need to walk by the Spirit is we need to recognize our need of Jesus, right? We're thirsty. So it starts with thirst. Are you thirsty? Then notice what we do with our thirst. Jesus said, come to me and drink. Listen, when you're thirsty, don't get some alcohol. Listen, don't do drugs. Don't look at pornography. Bring your thirst to Jesus. Now notice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now, we drink, and, um, we drink in ounces, don't we? But, but notice what it says. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers a little bit, but we overflow in rivers. They don't compute. You say, what do you mean? Uh, you're really thirsty. How much do you drink? When, when our kids were playing soccer all over Florida, I would stop by convenience stores and get a big soft drink. Now, uh, some were 32, 32 ounces. Some were 48. Some were really big. They were 64 ounces. Seems like a lot to drink, right? But do you know how much water flows through a river? Anybody here ever been to Itchitugny? Anybody here ever been to Itchitugny? Isn't it great? Do you know there's eight springs there, eight springs there, and the Blue Hole Spring? Do you know how many gallons of water come out of that every day? 38 million gallons. So we're drinking, we're drinking in ounces, and we're overflowing with millions and millions and millions of gallons. That is a picture of the Christian life. So how do we drink? Isn't that why we're here today? Aren't we here today because we're thirsty? We live in a hostile, confused culture. And haven't we come saying, Jesus, teach us. Jesus, teach us. Haven't we come saying, Jesus, send your Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to walk like you walked. You know what I get to do tonight? I get to gather with people in my home and know what we're going to do together. We're going to drink living water. We're going to open up the Bible. We're going to pray for one another. You know why? Because we're thirsty. And, and listen, we need Jesus to, to follow him in our, in our hostile culture, right? You know what I do every morning? I get up and I come to Jesus and drink. And you say, well, oh, Smiley, you're such a good person. No, if I were a good person, I wouldn't need to get up and drink from Jesus. The reason I get up is because I'm not. But what I do every morning is I get up and I come to Jesus and I read his word and then I pray that the Holy Spirit would give me the desire and power to follow it and then I go and share the word. So let me share with you. I've been reading in Acts this week and it's, it's so good. Remember, remember Acts 17? Remember Paul's preaching in Athens? Remember? And I got to verse 26. Speaking of God, and he made man. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. I read what our culture needs to hear. We live in a racially divided culture. And I read, we all come from one Father. We all come from one person. I said, Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to carry out a ministry of reconciliation. Are there people in our culture seeking to divide us? Are there? Yes. 
So Jesus wants us to come and drink living water and go out and carry out a ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people to God and to each other, letting people know, hey, we all came from the same person. Kept reading, got to verse 30. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising from the dead. And I thought all of history is moving toward a judgment day and all my neighbors and all the people in this county, on that day it'll either be heaven or hell. And God has entrusted to us a message that we have to go and share with people. We're moving toward a judgment day. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and be saved. And if they say, well, why should I believe? God has given us proof. He's given us proof. Well, what's the proof? Christ rose from the dead. Do you know what my default is in life? Always listen to the one who walked out of the grave. Doesn't that seem like a good idea? Always defer to the one who rose from the grave. And then... I read the very next verse. And for cowards like me, this verse is so good. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. But others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. When Paul spoke, there was hunger and there was hostility. There was the sneer. I mean, isn't that what we cower in front of, isn't it? I mean, most of us aren't going to be arrested, right? And most of us aren't going to be stoned like people have been. We fear what? We fear the sneer, right? Oh, you're on the wrong side of history. You're so judgmental. You're so narrow-minded, right? We fear the sneer. And you know what I was doing? I was praying. Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to be bold in my witness and not to fear the sneer. So how do we come and drink? We start our week with Jesus, right? We start each day with Jesus. As we go through the day, when we find ourselves thirsty, isn't that a good time to come and drink? This week, I saw someone I love a lot. They used to come to Good News, and I made them mad. Can you understand how I could make anybody mad? And I'm just a few feet away from him, and I called him by name, and know what he did? He turned and walked away. Do you know how much that hurts to see someone you love and you've disappointed them so much they won't even face you or talk to you? You know what I did with my thirst and with my hurt? Jesus said what? Come to me and drink, right? So know what I did? I came to Jesus and I began to pray for this guy. And know what happened? When I began to pray for him that he would experience the love of Christ, you know what happened to me? What happened inside of me? What? Rivers? of living water, what, welled up in me and began to overflow to him, right? Oh. We start each week, we start each day when we get hurt, when we're afraid. Know what I did yesterday? Uh, I, I did a funeral. Um, the, the husband died. They had been married almost 70 years. So I'm going to talk about someone's husband and he had four kids who really loved him and grandkids who loved him. And there's so many ways I can mess this service up. And so I'm praying, Lord, keep me from messing this up. Keep this. I need the Holy Spirit to, to give me the desire and power to do this right. And not only do those things scare me, but after everybody gets up and talks about how wonderful this person is, what do I get to do? I get to share, well, he really wasn't all that good. 
But Jesus really is that good. And our comfort of where he is is not based on his goodness, but on the goodness of Christ. So before I got up to speak, I was coming to Jesus, and I was drinking. But when I got up to speak, you know what happened? Rivers of living water welled up through me, and the wife was comforted, and, and, and the sons were comforted, and the grandkids were comforted, and Jesus was exalted, and it was amazing. So what have we learned? That Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk like Jesus walked. What does he call us to do? To walk by the Spirit, to bring our thirst to him, to bring our thirst to him. Jesus, send your Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow you. And I want to leave you with a picture. This is what we're to look like this week. We live in a culture of people who are fearful and divided and angry, don't we? And in the midst of all that, in our neighborhoods and schools, there's a people and in the midst of this, they're overflowing with living water. There's love and joy and peace and patience, right? And there's hope. Shouldn't people see a difference? And when they ask you, what is all that? You can tell them, right? You know what it is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And listen, you can know him too. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful you came to seek and save sinners like me and like all of us. Thank you for living and dying and rising and offering us salvation. Listen, if, if the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes for the first time and, and, and you want to be saved, won't you tell Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card or tell someone we'd love to celebrate with you? And Lord, I pray for those of us who have been saved that we would realize we're not simply forgiven. You've given us supernatural power. You've given us the Holy Spirit so that we could walk like you walked. Lord, I pray that we would learn this week to come and drink. Listen, if you're here today and there's some sin in your life that you've not been free, been able to overcome, won't you say, Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to overcome sin. Or maybe there's someone that you just find so hard to love. Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to love this person the way that you, Jesus, have loved me. Maybe there's someone you've been wanting to share the gospel with but haven't. Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to share the gospel and not to fear the sneer. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.